You're listening to Destined Women Ministries, the podcast. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me today um, for this wonderful episode. I'm so excited to get into. So we're about to start a series of teaching I have been talking about since the summer, and it is surviving singlehood. And it is something the Lord had placed on my heart before the summer came in, and I really wanted to be used by the Lord to minister this and to speak this and to teach this and to open up these conversations between you all and the Holy Spirit about what it means to be a single person and how to thrive as a single person, how to find your identity as a single person and how to really grow in the Lord as a single person and be comfortable being single. Um, Being single for me Um, has had various challenges, but as far as I'm concerned, overall, as I look back over the years, it has been a complete joy, but not just a joy. It has been a necessity. Being single is not just a time where you sit around trying to find your kingdom spouse. Being single is a time of personal development. It's when you find out who you are. It's when you find out why God created you. It's when you find out your true natural and spiritual identity. It's when you work on the things about yourself that you don't like naturally and spiritually. It's when you spend time pressing into the presence of God so that you can really know him and you can really know and understand your purpose. And so that as you have real fellowship with him, you can actually be advancing in his kingdom and advancing his kingdom in the name of Jesus. That sounds so good. I hope <laughs> I hope that resonates with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, being single for some people seems like they, they feel like it's a curse or something is wrong with them. And I believe, and I'm just going to talk to you all in this first episode so we can understand why we're going to spend so much time dissecting what it means to be single. Um, And I want even the married people, if you feel so led, to listen in on these episodes because, of course, I speak on marriage um, and um, scriptures about marriage and things of that nature. I do believe that this will be a blessing to every woman who wants to listen in because there are things that you'll be able to pull. And this is not for married women to listen and then beat themselves up because they didn't wait and they didn't get to know themselves and they didn't really get to um, know the Lord and uh, before they were married. It's really, um, it's, it's not for that. What it's for is to cause you to Reflect on your life, your choices, where you are in your marriage, and do everything you can to come closer to Christ. That's the overall goal and objective for every Christian, whether married or single, that you would come closer to Christ. In scripture, it says the time is now that those who are married uh, carry themselves as if they were not And um, we're going to dig into that scripture. We're going to dig into that scripture because it's the scripture which precedes the verse which says, 
you know, the, the single woman is concerned about how she can keep herself holy and pleasing to the Lord, but the married woman is, um, you know, concerned about the things of the world and about her husband. And so Paul is advocating for people to be single, and he's advocating for the married people to behave like they are not married. And he says why. He says it's because of the uncertainty of the times. Because of the times we're living in, you can't just thrust yourself into marriage and act like Jesus is an afterthought. Because of the times we're living in, Paul says it's time for the people who are married to act as though they're not. It's time for the people who are becoming rich to act like they're not becoming rich. It's time for whatever is important in your life to kind of take a, a passenger seat to your relationship with Christ. And then everything that's important to you is centered around that relationship. So it's those scripture, that scripture about, you know, the wife, she she's concerned about the things of the husband and how she completes her husband. You know, people say that scripture, like that's what it means and that's what God expects for a married Christian woman to just be concerned with the things of the world and how to please her husband. But no, we need to be concerned, all of us, married or single, with the things of Christ and how to please him. And our husbands should have the same mentality. And that that is what a kingdom marriage looks like. When both people say, no, Christ is first in my life and our life. We put him first in our marriage. We make sure we have our prayer time. We make sure we have our time of personal and individual development because the two have become one. And we have to make sure that we are who we need to be so this one can now be strong. We don't want a marriage that's lacking because one person isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, we want a marriage that's strong and full and influential because um, both people are in their rightful place in Christ. Both people know who they are and both people are walking in obedience. This type of mentality is usually not typical for the married person. It's usually not typical. And one thing is it's because people become so um, thrusted into the family life, which if you don't become grounded in Christ first, you won't be able to have naturally. It'll take a little extra work. It's not that you can't have it because you can, and in Jesus' name you will. But it just takes some work for you to find your, your, your prayer time and find your time to read and find your time you know to to spend with the lord when you have all those things going on but if you actually make this a part of your normal life when you're single then it's going to flow naturally into the infrastructure of your marriage that's just how things are you know i'm a prayer warrior i'm going to pray married or single Children or not, that's what I do because that's who I am. So it's important for us to find our identity when we're um, single so that we can take that fullness into the marriage and we're not depending on our spouse to complete us or to fulfill us or to make us happy because the spirit of rejection is going to stay there regardless of whether you have a husband or not. You have to deal with those issues and be delivered. Okay, so we really want to produce strong marriages in the earth realm because marriage is this beautiful prophetic masterpiece which declares to the whole world that Christ... <laughs> He is coming for his bride, dressed in white, pure, a virgin, not adulterous, not out there whoring around, but somebody who is pure. And of course, this is um, 
spiritual, pure and all white, without blemish, without blame. Um, the marriage supper of the Lamb is an actual event, and we all want to be there. And so we have natural marriage, which shows us this concept of Christ in his bride, the church, and how we have the male as the head and the wife who submits to him, the male who um, really is the provider and the covering, the protector, and the woman who carries out his desires um, within, that, within that marriage and whatever it is that um, he would want, she submits to it. And it's this really beautiful, beautiful, beautiful relationship. And we shouldn't just want it because we're lonely. And we shouldn't just want it because we're horny. And we shouldn't just want it because babies are cute, so we want to have babies. We shouldn't just want it because we're tired of paying our own bills and we want some help or some company. We should want it because it's etched in God's will for our lives, okay? That's why we should look after it. And of course, we desire it. You know, there's nothing wrong with desiring companionship, but that shouldn't be the driving force for you wanting a spouse because we need our marriages to be strong. And if it's going to be strong, then it has to have purpose. Besides, I was lonely. So I just wanted to, I wanted to have a companion with me. Okay. If you're still in your single season and you're supposed to be in your single season and you need some companionship, ask the Lord to lead you to the right pet. Get yourself a cat or a dog and entertain yourself that way. But the last thing you want to do is get into the wrong marriage, okay? I, I like to say that one of the most dangerous things is um, two Christian people who like each other, who both have that desire to be married because you're kind of blinded to what makes you incompatible. You're kind of blinded to what God's will really is. And all you're saying is, well, they're a Christian and I'm a Christian and, you know, we like each other. We like spending time together. He wants to be married. I want to be married. So, you know, it seems like we should do it. But quite frankly, something is missing. And I know for sure that marriage is under attack from Satan. Right now, I'm, I have to take several counseling courses um, for my, my college major. Right now, I'm doing um, the principles of counseling, something to that effect, and then I'm doing um, marriage and family counseling. And the, the question is posed, why are divorce rates so high among Christians? Why? And um, I, I believe it's because there's no real personal development and no personal character development while um, Christians are single. So all we know is that we're, we should get married and it's better to marry than to burn. So instead of getting ourselves and our hormones and all that stuff under control and in submission to the spirit of God, we just want to get married. And marriage is not a Band-Aid. Um, I have a book, Loosed, Breaking the Chains of Fornication, Masturbation, and Homosexuality. And I put in that book, do not get married because you're struggling with lust. Because all you're going to do is bring lust into your marriage. What we need to do um, as single people is sit down and really take time to understand what's going on within us, what has been going on with us generationally, and we need to make some decisions about what we no longer want to see happen, okay? So we can sit down and say, I no longer want to struggle with insecurity. God, I need you to fix this. 
I no longer want, um, uh, if you can reflect over your family, if divorce is a thing, I no longer want to um, have that, that curse of divorce hanging over me. God developed me free me and then put me with someone who's also free, you know, because a lot of um, us are not just fighting for ourselves. We're fighting for our, our bloodline. We're fighting for our children to come and our grandchildren. Um, you all know how I feel about boxing. And let me tell y'all, all right, I love myself some Floyd Mayweather Jr. Do you hear me? I absolutely, <laughs> I'm going to stop because I can go in. I can go in every time. So I'm going to slow down. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. But one thing I can say that he said, and it resonates with me so much um, when it comes to spiritual people. Floyd Mayweather is this um, self-made man. He has literally fought his way to the top. And um, he's a billionaire. And he did it on purpose. And um, from several years ago to... This present time, you will hear him say, I, wanted to, I want to build generational wealth so that my children and my grandchildren can be wealthy. So every fight he had, every decision he made, um, every, every business um, venture he went into, every investment he um, made, it was not just for him. He was not the only one on his mind. He did it for his children and he did it for his grandchildren. So now you see his children, they have the best education in the world. Um, they are well-traveled. They are well-spoken. They are well-dressed. Um, his grandson has like a solid gold Rolex encrusted in diamonds and he is uh, maybe just a few months old. Um, he has two, two women who mothered his children and one, she had, um, bags worth a quarter of a million dollars. And he said he got those for her like 10 years ago at that price. And it's these specific type of bags. If you know what they are, they're Hermes Birkin bags. And, um, those bags increase with value. I mean, excuse me, increase with time. So their value increases with time. So he, he made an investment. He's like, I don't just want to buy you a bag. <laughs> I'm going to buy you a bag that can actually benefit you and, um, you know, my child in the future. And so, um, you know, he, he made decisions based on what he wanted for his children and his grandchildren, okay? This is the way single people and um, Christian people need to think. When we have this, this, this beautiful space where we're not obligated to anyone but Jesus Christ, we need to be making decisions for our children and our grandchildren. Why do I want to start this business? Because I want to build um, something that my children can come into and be inspired. Why do I want to be so sanctified and so grounded and rooted in Christ? Because I want to build, I want to start that generational spiritual wealth for my children and my grandchildren. I want to be so delivered. I want to be so sanctified. I want to be so consecrated. I want to be so sure in my calling and in my election that my children and my grandchildren just walk in spiritual authority. So I gave you all this, the natural example of that. But spiritually, 
um, the, the people who remind me of that building wealth for your children and your grandchildren are the, the Murray family um, out in Dallas, Texas, with um, Full Gospel Holiness Temple. So um, if we know the story, um, I don't know if we do, but Apostle um, Herman Murray, he is um, the successor to his grandfather who, fought, um, who pastored that church. His grandfather, um, Lobius Murray, he um, started this church, and, he, and it, it was a holiness church, and he raised his children in holiness, and um, he raised his grandchildren in holiness, and it just amazes me that they're all saved, his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren, even the younger generation, are um, growing up and preaching the gospel. These people are Holy Spirit-filled. And I love that ministry because he built generational wealth in the realm of the Spirit for his family when he planted that church and he preached the truth of God. When he followed the call of God, they have a wonderful document um, documentary. If any of you ever want to watch it, I think it's so awesome. Um, it chronicles his life. He has um, since passed away, and um, his wife also more recently passed away. But they just have um, this this awesome legacy that you just have to respect. And the reason why I respect it so much is because they made sure that it was given into the hands of their children, that they raised their family in a way that their family could step into something well-made and solid and then carry it on from generation to generation. So as Christians, we're single now, we need to be thinking, how can I build generational wealth? And this is not just natural. Of course, we want our children to be well taken care of and not struggle, but we're, we want spiritual wealth for our children. How can I live? What decisions can I make so that my child will not have to struggle? with homosexuality? What can I do? What decisions can I make to keep my child from being molested? What decisions can I make to keep my children and my grandchildren following the ways of holiness, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Spirit? How can I live before the Lord um, so that he'll bless me from generation to generation? Because um, we've spoke about this. This is God's will. He doesn't just want to work with an individual. He works from generation to generation. When he blesses somebody, he says, I'll do it. And to the fourth and the fifth generation, I will keep you blessed. Okay? So um, this is God's will. He wants to work with families, but it always starts with an individual. It always starts with an individual's obedience. Um, we spoke about Elijah and Elijah's mantle, how he did not have any natural children, but he birthed out spiritual children all the way into the New Testament with John the Baptist and on with that message of repentance. And, um, you know, and among the, the, the disciples, that same spirit that he was operating in moved on. So he was birthing out from generation to generation, even though he was no longer here. Um, think about other um, figures in scripture. Think about Abraham. It's from generation to generation, but it all starts with the decision of one person to follow God, to continue to follow God, to stay following God, and to stay obedient to the Lord. That is God always he want God wants to build a priesthood within our bloodlines. 
but we have to be willing to obey him, okay? And for us who are not married, that starts now, okay? You have to make up in your mind that, listen, when I have my children, they will never struggle with this. You can make up in your mind, my children will stay virgins until they're married. I'm going to live in such a way that I influence them to be holy from a an infant. When they're in my stomach, I'm going to be playing the audio Bible. I'm going to make sure that as I raise them, I'm going to teach them to take care of their temples. I'm going to teach them how to pray. I'm building spiritual wealth from generation to generation. I want to change things in my bloodline. God doesn't just want to work with us. but So as single people, we have to take that serious and we can't just look at a person and say, man, they're cute. I want to be with them. We've all seen people that we are attracted to and liked and really maybe wanted to talk to, but you have to listen to God and obey him. If he says walk away from that person, then you have to be willing to walk away from that person because cute and nice is not going to build um, up God's kingdom. You need purpose for that. You need a firm grip on your identity for that. So surviving singlehood is a really um, important um, series for us all to listen to so that we can grow as individuals and really make up in our minds um, that we want to be a certain way, live a certain way, and build generational wealth, okay, so that... um, our children and our grandchildren and their children can walk in God's anointing, all right? We want to be blessed from generation to generation. And um, I think that there is such a high divorce rate among Christians. It says Christians who um, don't attend church regularly, there is a 60% divorce rate among them. And they say that Christians who do attend um, church regularly, um, I saw it between 34 and 38% with the divorce rate. So it's half and more, it's almost half and more than half, um, however you look at it. And um, those statistics are startling, and I don't think Christians have, um, you know, the the best time. I, I hope that um, everything was accurate and nothing was embellished or anything like that. But when compared to the divorce rate among atheists, atheist divorce rate is at about twenty one percent. Now, in my heart, that 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 what came to me, what I what came in my mind is that well, not as many atheists are getting into the Christian marriage covenant, you know. So maybe that's why the divorce rates are so low. But whatever the number, it's only twenty one percent of them who say, you know, they want to divorce. Um, and I've heard this before, and it definitely was in years past. And um, to people who are unbelievers, it's laughable the amount of Christians who are um, divorced and who, um, you know, don't stick it out and don't really follow the principles of marriage. And I remember reading something, and this had to be some time ago, so the the memory right now for me is not as clear, but I'm going to try to say um, what the atheist said. They said something to the effect of the reason why the rate of um, divorce among atheists is lower than Christians is because when atheists have issues, they work on them, they, they'll go to counseling, they'll do what they have to do to make it work, and they said Christians just, you know, I guess they just pray about it and don't really try to work on it or don't try to change. Marriage, it doesn't matter how um, solid you are as a Christian single person, marriage will 
absolutely require you to change, to compromise, and to do things that you didn't have to do as a single person because it's no longer just you. Um, you have another body that you're taking care of. His body is your body. Your body is his body. You both are now accountable to each other um, for how you treat each other and also for whether or not you're bringing each other closer to or further from God. So um, surviving singlehood is something we all need. We all need to know how can I survive? And there are so many Christians who are still fornicating and struggling with that. How can you survive being a single Christian without, you know, having pregnancies and, um, or, um, you know, having relationships that you're not supposed to have, having, you know, being out there just having boyfriends, jumping from guy to guy and dating around and things like that. As women of God, we really don't want that type of reputation. We really want to stay pure, chaste. We want to wait for our husbands. We don't want to get involved with the wrong man. We don't really want to give our time to the wrong people. So what can we do and what way can we live that would um, afford us to make those really good decisions? Um, I think that with Christians, there is just this lack of personal character development development in the church. And I, and I can say that among church, um, what I, I'll talk about my personal experience and I'll also talk about what I see. Nobody's talking to single people. They have single ministries, but they're not geared towards, listen, you may be a eunuch. You may not be. Both of you need to know who you are in Christ and move towards that. You know, the singles ministry is not to get all the singles in the church together to have a picnic and or a hike, you know, to see who likes who and, you know, let the single people be friends. No, the singles ministry should really be building up because your single ministry is really going to be the... <laughs> is the predecessor to your marriage ministry in the church, you know? And um, we have so many ministries which focus on marriage. And, you know, if people are called to that, then great. You know, you're called to, everybody has their calling. So if you feel called to um, speak about marriage and the things which take place in marriage, then that's great. But as single people, we need somebody to minister to us also. So, and I, I do believe that it's good for a single person to minister to a single person because there are some comforts and some privileges and some things within marriage that um, we don't have as single people. And there's just some things that married people, they have a heightened understanding of. We haven't walked in it, but there are also some things that they no longer understand. You know, so we're right now in two different realms. Those two have become one, but these individuals over here in the singles, they're still one. How can this one person become everything God created them to be and be sufficed with being one with Christ? That's what we want. And um, if we had really good, good preparation, then our marriage ministries wouldn't be filled with so much um, stories of turmoil. And we had to go through this because, you know, he didn't know this or we had to go through this because she didn't understand this. If we actually spent time developing who we are in Christ Jesus and spending time in his presence, spending time in the secret place, when you come together, do you really understand this? that you're literally supposed to be like Christ in the church. And if you spent time as a single person becoming Christ-like, then he would put you right into that position and put you with someone who understands that. 
And I know everyone doesn't have that um, experience. And I know there are some people who, before they were praying for a, a deep walk with the Lord and a deep ministry, they were praying for a spouse and they got what they prayed for. But they still had to toil for years and years for that spouse to become a, a person of God. And that's not what we want. We want to step into a marriage, sure. I want, when you wait and you find out who you are, you should want to be with someone who knows who they are, who knows how to treat you who knows how to speak to you. I can tell you all personally, I do not like to argue. I will completely shut down. So I would clearly, you know, if you're that type of individual, you would need to be with someone who can have a conversation with you or who knows how to just leave something alone. Listen, she's agreeable. She's going to let me lead. She doesn't want to argue with me. I'm fine with that. You know, you don't want to be with someone who's hot-headed because he didn't allow the, the fruit of peace and temperance to grow in him before he actually was married. You want someone who is fully developed. You need to be fully developed also. Um, something that the Lord tells me, and he's been telling me this for years, he's been saying as it pertains to marriage, prepare. That one word, always prepare. And I don't care what marriage ministry you listen to, they will tell you, you can't prepare for marriage. And that's what the humans are saying. But God is saying something completely different. God wants us to not be ignorant concerning things. And God wants us prepared for whatever we're stepping into. If you're stepping into ministry, God wants you to be prepared for that. If you're stepping into parenthood, God wants you to be prepared for that. So just think about before you um, go into ministry, God is going to have you praying, fasting, reading, studying the word. He's not just going to say, well, you never know what's going to happen when you get in there. Just go on and <laughs> learn as you go. No, God wants us to prepare for whatever he has for us. God's prepared wonderful things for us, and he wants us equipped when, we, when it's time for us to handle those things. So you think about the earth, how it was prepared for Adam, and his assignment was prepared for him, and he had to walk in that thing, right? He had to have the, the, the qualities, the intelligence, and the character to be able to carry out what God had placed in his hands. He didn't go in there and God said, well, I want you to name all the animals, and then, well, I don't know. No, you have to know because God is going to prepare you for what he has for you. So Adam was able to do whatever he needed. Needed to do. Um, and it's the same thing with marriage. Go into marriage prepared. You have to know who you are as a woman, okay? You have to know what your place is. You have to know what your role is. You have to be ready to compromise, have to be ready to grow. You have to know what it means to be a mother. There are just things that, as a father, Jehovah is going to pour into you as a woman if you want to be prepared. He's going to say, listen, sit down, start sewing. Listen, Go get some bread flour. I'm going to teach you how to bake some bread. And of course, you need to do more than sew and um, bake to be a mom. But God is going to handle every single little detail if you're patient enough to allow him to. If not, and you want to rush into marriage, then guess what? You're going to have to get into marriage and it's going to be those, you're going to have those turbulent times. I mean, this is not what I want and I'm not trying to speak this over you, but this is so common. And it's because the, the turbulence and stuff in marriage, it's so common because people don't really know who they are when, when they're single. So if you don't know who you are, then you don't know really who you are supposed to be with. Okay, so you can literally make it work with just anyone. So you need to have your standards set and you need to know, I want all of those standards. I want all of those met. And if I wait long enough, 
And if I stay in Christ as I wait and I allow Christ to develop me, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. And he's going to even do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think in every area of my life, including my spouse. Okay, so you can just prepare yourself to be with somebody who's better than you even thought that you could ever be with because you submitted yourself to the Lord and you prepared. So there are things as a woman that God will teach us because he knows that we're not just a woman. One day we'll be a wife. One thing I say is, listen, um, you can tell whether or not a woman submitted to God um, before she was married, because when she's married, she'll submit to her husband. And it is, I'm telling you, in every single scenario, every single case, it's always true. If a woman does not know how to submit to God, she's not going to know how to submit to her husband. So that means the man can't be the man. And, <laughs> and that means that, you know, he can't really lead her. And that is strife right there in the marriage. And it is displayed in the woman's relationship to the Lord in the way she's had a relationship with him. That's why I'm telling you, I don't like to argue. Whatever he say will go if I don't like it too bad, because that's the kind of life I live with Jesus. <laughs> that's how I'm used to being led. Listen, if I don't like something, that's just that's my problem. Listen, God knows what's best. I'm going to roll with it. He's my all in all. He's my God. I love him. He's my father. I love him. He's the bridegroom. I love him. Whatever he says, I'm going to do it because he knows what's best for me. I trust him. Okay. So I'm going to do this thing. You know, even if, like I said, sometimes it's not what I really, really want. And, um, and I, I'm going to bring that same spirit into my marriage. I'm not, you know, um, in, in a place where I'm running from God and, you know, things of that nature. Another thing that I say is a woman who um, holds back intimacy from her husband does not have a solid prayer life um, and did not have a solid prayer life before she was married. And that goes into the, the discipline. You, y'all got to understand how important it is to be single and actually fall in love with Jesus Christ. As a single person, you will get up at two o'clock in the morning and go into that prayer closet because daddy woke you up to pray. As a single person, you could have had a long day. You could be really tired. You could be really hungry. You could be really thirsty. And you're going to get yourself into that prayer closet and pray because it's time to pray. And I remember... <laughs> like dragging into the prayer closet. But in my, my mentality was this, listen to this. I have to have intimacy with God. I can't just have my day and give myself over to whatever I've given myself over today and not sit down and get into the presence of my father. I love him too much. And I know that he wants me to enter into his presence. I know that God wants me. And so in return, I want to give myself to him. doesn't matter how tired I am. It doesn't matter if I don't like my life circumstances right now. So let's flip that into the marriage. It wouldn't matter how tired you are. It wouldn't matter if you didn't really like what was going on in your marriage at that time. You are going to give yourself over to your husband because intimacy is just something that you have an understanding of. And so I, I, I definitely say those two things about women. Women who do not submit to their husbands when they're married did not submit to Christ before they were married. 
and women who do not value intimacy with their husband or do not um, or who hold intimacy from their husbands, they don't have a solid prayer life. When you have a solid prayer life, you understand how necessary intimacy is, how necessary it is to pull away from everything and spend that one-on-one time together. Okay. And you'll never, I never want to withhold that from God. Never will I ever intentionally hold, um, hold, withhold excuse me, that from the Lord. I love him too much. And guess what? This is not just for me, but I'm just saying, I know he loves me too much, but he loves us all. He's no respect of persons. He wants you to come into his presence too. He wants the way God desires to spend time with us and fellowship with us, the, the, the way God wants to, to have this one, to become one with us and have this connection where he's walking in us is beyond any words that I can give you. But God wants us. So if I know that he wants me, how could I truly love him and understand the benefits and the importance of in intimacy in a relationship and withhold myself from the Lord? I can't do that. I need this. I need this. If I'm going to continue to function in this life, not be, not fall into temptation of the enemy, not fall into cycles and all those things, I need to have this time with the Lord. And so when I get married, that mentality has been shaped by my diligence as a single person. I understand that he will need intimacy, even if I'm tired sometimes. Even if there's something else I maybe I would um, rather do, I'm going to engage in that time of intimacy because it's just that important to the relationship. That's what it means to prepare. May not know everything you'll encounter in the day, but you will be prepared for it. You will know how to handle it because you're just that rooted in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. What does the Bible say about the virtuous woman? She laughs at the future. She laughs at the things to come. Why? Why can she think about the, the prospects of calamity, famine, plagues, unrest, and still laugh at those things? Because she's prepared. She knows that whatever goes on out there, her, her children, her husband, they're good. And she's going to make sure that they will always be good. So none of those things really bother her. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But me and mine's, ha we're good. We're taken care of. That's not a mentality <laughs> that you can just easily develop as a married woman. I mean, you can develop it. And I know many of you listening did, of course. But I said not easily. As a single person, it's not even easy to um, develop that mentality. But God, he leads you and guides you so that when you get into the marriage, it's already there. You're coming as a whole person and he's coming as a whole person. We think about Eve. God didn't just present Adam with a rib. He didn't just present present Adam with um, you know, a torso. He presented him with a, a an entire complete whole woman who was able and suitable to stand by his side and and help him in his God-given assignment. And that's the way we need to be. And women, as anointed as you are, this is what I like to say, the more anointed the woman is, and you know her husband is far more anointed than those just two anointed people. She has to be super anointed to even be able to connect with him in a marriage covenant. And so we have to, there's so many reasons why we need to value being single, because my anointing is being built so that I can be suitable for him. 
Okay. When y'all say, well, when Lord, when is it going to happen? Well, he must be super anointed if y'all been waiting a long time. <laughs> okay. And, um, God is using this time as a single person to prepare us. And what the enemy does is he tries to plague us with old issues. So he'll bring up exes. He'll bring um, up lustful thoughts. You know, he'll bring up various distractions from your relationship with Christ because Eve's time with the Lord was so important before she was presented to Adam because it was during that time where she received her impartation of identity. And when Adam saw her, he was able to recognize her. Okay, this is now this. <laughs> this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. This is the one I'll leave everything for. And I'm going to cleave to this one. This is her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what we want our husbands to say. We want to be a complete woman. We don't want to be the clingy one. We don't want to be, you know, the one who is um, insecure. We want to come whole, complete, confident, you know, um, and, and ready, really prepared to stand beside him. And we want to be with someone who's whole, complete, confident, who um, is ready to have a real strong, anointed woman of God who's complete and walking in her identity stand next to him. These things take time. It all takes time and it takes personal development. So this is where we have to make up in our mind, listen, do I want to just be in a relationship because I'm ready now? Or do I want to wait on the Lord, let him strengthen my heart, be of good courage, and wait and allow him to put together what he's putting together? Um, you may be in that, that, that Eve season where you're still being imparted into. Do that. Stay there. Stay in the secret place. Allow the, the Lord to shape you and mold you and get you right, get you together. So when he presents you before your husband, your husband recognizes you. That's the one I've been praying for. She has everything, everything that I like. <laughs> she has it. She allowed the Lord to shape her and mold her into my suitable helper. Okay, so um, we want to be able to be mothers and and um, wives, and we want to be able to pour into our marriages and impart into our marriages and impart strength into our husbands. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that every wise woman builds her house. Every wise woman is building up her house, but the foolish women, they pluck it down with their own hands. We want to be those wise women who are building our houses, who are building up our husbands, who are building up our children. We're talking about bloodlines, generations, legacy. What do the, the Bible considers a family, a generation, your father's house? Well, we want to build up our houses, our husband's houses, right? We want to build up our, our marriage, the house of our marriage and the house of our children, so that we can have we can have that generational wealth, we can have a that that anointed supernatural legacy, so we never have to see our children struggle with the things our mothers and our fathers and our siblings struggled with. We want to start a new thing. So we need to know how to build a house. How do we do that? Well, God teaches us how to build up a man and how to speak life into a man and how to have the discernment that that man needs so that you can build him up as he's moving forward in his anointing. God will pour into you so that when you have your children, 
You will know how to build them up. You'll know what they need to hear. You'll know the type of discipline they need to have because every child is a little different. (laughs) And sometimes what works for one won't always work for the other, okay? Um, But you'll know these things because God is not going to thrust you out into a battlefield without your weapons and without you knowing how to handle your weapons. He's going to prepare you for motherhood. He's going to prepare you to be a wife. But if we want to get there, we have to survive singlehood, okay? So um, in this series of teaching, I am going to talk to you by the Holy Spirit about how to survive um, singlehood, how to be a single woman and be happy to love it, to not rush into marriage, but to welcome it when it comes, to be an entire and a whole individual. So I'm looking forward to getting into this um, series. And I, my prayer for you, uh, you know what? Instead of just mouthing it, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for being the great Jehovah, the great I am. The ancient of days. There's none like you, God. We are so desperately in love with you. We need you. We are chasing after you. God, we are gripping you and grasping for you. We need you. You're the father we never had. You're greater than any man we could ever encounter. Hallelujah. It's an honor and a privilege to know you, to be intimate with you, to spend time with you, to sacrifice for you. We thank you. That although you may slay us, we can still trust you. We thank you that we're crucified with you, but nevertheless, we live. It's a privilege, Christ, to have you living in us because you loved us and you gave yourself for us. You are amazing. We love you, God. We're full of your spirit. Hallelujah. We love fellowshipping with you. There's nothing that we want more than you, Jesus. And for each and every person listening to this, God, who may not have that mentality, who may not be thinking that way, Father, I'm praying for the spirit of impartation to just rest upon this series so that that type of mentality can be imparted into them, God, so that you will be the apple of their eyes, so that they would want you more than they want anything else on this earth, God. In the name of Makorabasi, I just hear the Lord saying, seek the kingdom. Seek my kingdom first. And he says, I am faithful, hallelujah, to add all of these things to you. God, we thank you for all these things. We thank you, hallelujah. I just heard the Lord say, you shall lack in nothing. God has everything we need in his hands. But before he releases his hands, hallelujah, he requires us to seek his face. And then our heart's response should be, thy face, Lord, will I see. God, I see. You are the great God. Hallelujah. God, I pray that everybody's able to feel your presence right now as strongly as I do. Hallelujah. God is so great. Hallelujah. You're the creator of the earth. We love you so much. Hallelujah. All things are in your hand and we're thankful, God, that we are in your hands too. And we're asking that you shape us and mold us into the women you need us to be. Hallelujah. Whether we're singled or married, 
Teach us, God, to keep you first, to keep you number one, to let you be our number one priority every day when we wake up in the morning so that everything in our households can flow the way it's supposed to flow. Lord God, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're holy. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for peace in the life of every single person, every person listening to me, God, whether they're single or married in the name of Jesus, I pray for peace. I pray for soundness of heart and mind. God, I pray for deliverance from homosexuality, from love from perversion, from molestation, from rejection, and everything they may be struggling with, insecurity. I hear the Lord saying it comes from a lack of identity. Hallelujah. But God is saying he's been trying to show you who you are. You just have to believe him. Glory to the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I hear him saying, he is good. He is good for everyone who feels like he's trying to or attempting to punish you or withhold something from you that you want or he's ignoring you. God is saying, I am good. I am good. I am good to you. Hallelujah. There's no good thing that he'll withhold from those who walk uprightly. God has good things for you. God has great plans for you. You just have to be comfortable and you have to, I hear the word continue, to walk by his side. I see two walking together, hallelujah, in perfect harmony. And I hear how can two walk together except they be agreed? You have to agree with him. God says single for now, then you have to say single for now. If God says personal development right now, then you have to say personal development right now. I feel you literally in my heart right now, sister. I can hear things coming together. I can feel flesh being broken down right now. I can, I can hear, I can feel understanding, hallelujah, permeating and just penetrating your mind right now. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. Change us through these teachings, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Transform us, oh God. Mm. Woo. God takes the same mind. He, he, he renews it. He doesn't give us a completely new mind, but he takes the mind we have and he renews it. That means that God, there, there are aspects of your personality and your history that God is going to hold on to because it makes you who you are, but he's going to put new and fresh revelation and he's going to break off generational curses and you'll be a renewed person. You'll be a perfect version of who you were always supposed to be. And when you come into that renewed mind, then the Lord does this amazing thing. With the renewed mind, he makes you a completely new creation. Now, you're not a renewed creation. He takes your renewed mind, but he gives you a complete transformation. That means God takes you from being one thing to another because you've submitted that old mind to him and allow him to work some things out in it. Work it out in us, God. Work some things out in us. In the name of Jesus, our old way of thinking. In the nanamosita rasaye. Hallelujah. Change it, God. Overturn it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Renew our minds so that we can become a new creature. 
Lord, we thank you. We thank you for everything we've gone through that's going to make us who we are. Hallelujah. But we're not going to allow it to bind us and control us. We submit ourselves and our minds and our way of thinking to you. We trust you with our future. We're not going to go back. Hallelujah. We're not going to waver. God, we thank you for the wait. Hallelujah. I hear the Father saying, I hear the Lord saying, there are benefits in the wait. God, we thank you for the benefits there are um, waiting for us as we wait for you. Hallelujah. You're a good God. Hallelujah. And God says the benefits are not only while you're single. The benefits also come into your marriage because you waited. I hear him saying you'll walk, you'll walk into the marriage with a greater anointing because you waited. Thank you, Jesus. You won't have to wait until after the marriage and whatever you have to go through to get it. You'll have it when you walk into the marriage. Hallelujah, God. We want to wait on you. Teach us to wait. Father, we love you. Hallelujah. I thank you. We thank you. I hear God say he's pouring it out now. For those of you who were just praying personal prayers in your heart and mind, God's response is, I'm pouring it out now. Hallelujah. You need help waiting. You feel weak. God is pouring out the strength. God is pouring out the patience now. Hallelujah. You need help in your prayer life. You need a greater desire and passion for him. You need your zeal back. God is pouring it out now. Oh, God. You're the great Jehovah. We just love you, Daddy. We love you so much. We thank you so much for loving us. And it's in the name of whew, your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Let it cover this broadcast. Let it cover every person listening to this broadcast. Let it cover every broadcast. And let these prayers be sealed in your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so excited about what God is going to do for us, hallelujah, through these teachings, hallelujah, God is going to pour, I'm telling you, God is pouring something out through this, these series of, um, this series of teaching, excuse me, surviving singlehood, we want to survive this thing, we want to come out triumphant, we want to come out victorious, we want to come out with generational wealth, hallelujah, for our children and our grandchildren, hallelujah, hallelujah, so I'm excited to get into this and we'll move into um, more of what the Lord is saying in these teachings and scriptures um, next week, God bless you, I love you, and it's in Jesus name that I pray and that I speak to you and that I come to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Destined Women Ministries podcast. I pray this fellowship was edifying, enlightening, and encouraging. If our fellowship blessed you today, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. While you're at it, share this episode with friends, family, co-workers, social media followers, or anyone you believe would benefit from this teaching. And I'll be right back here every Monday and Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Destined Women Ministries podcast. For more information about this ministry, please visit www.destinedwomenministries.com.